IEEE SA Voice shares insights and perspectives from the IEEE SA community, subject matter experts, and industry leaders that are working to raise the world's standards, drive market solutions, and much more, keeping you at the forefront of technological innovation for the benefit of humanity. Hello, everyone. I am Maria Palombini, and I am the director of the healthcare and life sciences practice here at the IEEE Standards Association. And welcome to the Rethink Health podcast series. This podcast takes industry stakeholders, technologists, researchers, clinicians, regulators, and more from around the globe to task. How can we rethink the approach to healthcare with the responsible use of new technologies and applications that can afford more security, protection, and sustainable, equitable access to quality care for all individuals? You can check out our previous seasons on ieesa.io health podcast. So as a result of the recent pandemic, the term telehealth has become one of the most frequently used ones, and it doesn't appear to go away soon. The reality is, is that we see telehealth today will look very different tomorrow. It's manifesting in many different forms. It's more than what we see in the doctor-patient exchange on an audio-video platform. It continues to grow with the proliferation of RPM devices, remote patient monitoring devices. And we see that the telehealth experience is really being changed by the patient's expectation on healthcare services. They are more relating it to a concierge level of online retail experience, convenient, appropriate, and personalized. And with the growing RPM space, there are so many different forecasts when it comes to this. It could be U.S. $150 billion by 2028, or that more than 40% of patients will be utilizing one or two of these devices at one given time. But here's one thing we know for certain. Regardless if we're saying telehealth, mobilized health, or RPMs, the future of delivering healthcare is not going to be confined to a facility, and it will need to be patient-centered. So season four of this podcast series, Telehealth's Quantum Leap into Patient-Centered Care, talks to the innovators. These are the winners of the IEEE SA Telehealth Virtual Pitch Competition. We talk to the industry leaders on the platforms leading the way, clinicians, and other researchers who are at the forefront are driving innovation with solutions on accessibility, human factor design, flexibility, security, inclusivity, and more. These are all the necessary ingredients to migrate telehealth care to a patient-centered care system. Before we begin, just a short disclaimer, IEEE does not endorse or financially support any of the products or services discussed by our guest experts in this series. With that out of the way, it is my pleasure to welcome Pramuka Surya Pata Banjiji, a final year undergraduate student at the University of Jaffna in Sri Lanka, specializing in electrical and electronic engineering, He's a student member of IEEE, and he also placed first in the student category with his project, Multi-Purpose Health Monitoring Bracelet, in the IEEE SA Virtual Pitch Competition, Rethink the Machine, Transforming RPM in a Patient-Centered Care System. Pramuka, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Pramuka, before we get to the core of the innovation... We like to share with our guests a little bit about the person behind the technology. So can you tell us a little bit about your research work and how you and your team came together to develop this project? Yeah. With the COVID-19 pandemic, Sri Lankan universities started to explore possible supports that could be contributed to manage the pandemic situation in the country. And during this period, we also needed to identify the research project to fulfill the requirements of our undergraduate course. And this is when Mr. Valuan, who is our current supervisor, proposed the idea of RPM. And we started working together. 
It seemed very time appropriate and aligned with our research interests. Also, we were able to get the assistance of Dr. R. Surinirakumaran and Dr. Sivasodhi, who were already contributing to some of the university's initiatives during the pandemic time. They helped us develop the concept further. Excellent. I find that most of the time when I talk to technologists, entrepreneurs, there's always a motivation, like a life story or some sort of passion that drives them to develop this innovation, this technology. Can you share with us maybe something you and your press or your team members, something that was the real motivation to really take this project to the level and trying to make it accessible to the underserved populations in developing regions? The motivation for this project comes from what we saw and experienced around us. Globally, non-communicable diseases such as cardiovascular diseases, cancer, diabetes, and chronic respiratory diseases account for over 70% of deaths, and three-quarters of all NCD deaths occur in low- and middle-income countries, and nearly 85% of global premature deaths from NCDs are reported in these countries. As a developing country, Sri Lanka faces similar issues as other low- middle-income countries, while some problems are unique to Sri Lanka. NCDs are estimated to account for 75% of total deaths in Sri Lanka with nearly 1 in 5 people dying prematurely from NCDs. These NCDs tend to be of long duration and have characteristics of insidious onset, chronic clinical manifestation and long-term disability in the face of poor control. And most patients with NCDs are diagnosed in latter stages, particularly after developing serious symptoms or complications. So, in October 2015, the United Nations Intelligence Task Force on NCDs conducted a mission to Sri Lanka and it concluded that epidemic of NCDs has become a serious economic and public health issue in the country and is fueled by tobacco use, unhealthy diet, alcohol consumption and physical inactivity. And the health system of Sri Lanka is considered a highly successful low-cost model. It is widely accessible as services offered by the public healthcare system are free at the point of delivery and uh, other factors like wide coverage, female literacy have resulted in remarkable health indicators in the country. However, strengthening primary health care with comprehensive community-based and family-focused care is a solitary solution to address the existing health issues in Sri Lanka. So we believe that home-based monitoring of the essential health parameters is very important and that growing technology should address this need. So we thought our solution would be suited for this purpose. So this is actually the motivation behind our project. Very fascinating and very important. So we're now going to get to the core of the innovation. We know for patients with chronic NCDs, non-communicable disease conditions, without easy access to healthcare, RPM, remote patient monitoring devices, may be the lifeline they need to minimize risk of urgent hospital visits or other unplanned clinical visits, and especially when we're in developing regions, it's not like there's hospitals and clinics easily accessible to your fingertips, quote unquote, as we say. For individuals in developing regions, RPM devices that are accessible, and accessibility can come in many different ways, can be a significant contributor to improving their health. So, Pramuka, what stage is the multi-purpose health monitoring bracelet? Is it a concept or is there a prototype? Have you had any testing in the form of a pilot done with it? What are some of the findings? What's actually going on with this particular product right now? Currently, we have the proof of concept prototype and we are in the process of making the final prototype, which is pilot ready. Can you share with us the type of research you all did, the modeling, maybe levels of work that went into actually refining this proof of concept prototype? And what would you say was the most interesting piece of information that came through in this research and discovery phase of the product? 
Certainly. At the first, we looked into the requirements and it was quite a challenge as we had minimum exposure to the biomedical field. When identifying requirements, we had to study the vital signs, how they are measured and existing technologies. We also looked into existing RPM solutions. As we were looking into developing a wrist wearable device, we realized that all our measurement requirements could not be fulfilled by the wrist wearable device alone. And this is where we came up with the capability to connect add-on devices. Initially, we intended to measure a set of limited measurements and vital signs. But we were astonished that the capability to connect add-on devices would give our device the unlimited expansion of measurements, making our device the hub or centerpiece of a remote health monitoring system. Uh, for the development, we followed a modular approach where we developed and tested different functionalities separately and later put them together as one device. That's fascinating. So you all are developing a device that's accessible, right, for a developing region, but also now it's scalable. Are you a tech startup wondering how likely telehealth is to keep its momentum in the next five to 10 years? McKinsey forecasts roughly 25% of the total cost of care for U.S. Medicare patients will shift to the home by 2025. And the remote patient monitoring market is expected to surpass $1.25 billion by 2030, according to MarketWatch. Despite how favorable the growth trends are, it's not easy to be a telehealth tech startup today. The IEEE SA telehealth startup community is designed for technologist entrepreneurs who have a proof of concept, prototype, or maybe an early commercialization of a technology product in the telehealth domain. The community offers tech and industry mentorship, partnership development opportunities, and the invitation to be part of a think tank to help drive trust and adoption of these technologies. Plus, you can earn credits to present demos and participate in virtual and face-to-face -face events hosted by IEEE's Healthcare Life Science Practice. If you want to join us and make this impact on the future of telehealth, you can join for free at ieesa.io backslash telehealth-startup. So can you explain how it can interoperate with other devices such as a pulse oximeter, a blood pressure cuff? Does it require that a specific type of device can connect with the bracelet or is it the multi-health monitoring bracelet can work with any device by any manufacturer? When building the multipurpose health monitoring bracelet, we studied the capability and size of the sensors that can be used for medical purposes. And if the sensor cannot be accommodated within the bracelet, no measurement cannot be made at the wrist. We tried to use wireless connectivity, such as Bluetooth, to connect the measurement device and bracelet. Therefore, the bracelet gets the capability to include additional medical measurements. So when using BLE wireless connection, BLE generic attribute profile, GATT, is a better choice. It is standard-based, and this profile helps interchange data between two BLE devices. Manufacturers can implement those profiles to communicate with MHMV. For example, already some profiles blood pressure, heart rate, pulse oximeter, insulin delivery service, glucose profile are available in BLE standard organization. And existing devices can be easily modified to include this capability. Great. Obviously, we see so many new devices coming into the market, but unfortunately, they don't really integrate with many other things or they're not scalable or extensible. So this is really important. I think this can be really, really a significant attribute, especially to a population who doesn't have so much access to healthcare. 
Ramoka, one of the biggest challenges we see in remote patient monitoring issue is the issue of accessibility. And like I said earlier, accessibility can mean a whole bunch of things. It could be from a point of view that people can't afford it. It could be that people don't know how to use it because it's too technically forward. It could be a whole bunch of things. So I know that you mentioned that one of the main features of the MHMB is that it is accessible, especially to individuals in developing regions where they don't have easy access to healthcare. So in helping that population of patients, what makes it so accessible? Is it that it doesn't require high frequency bandwidth, like consumption of data or internet? Or is it something that can easily communicate? It's very easy to use. What makes it accessible for this population? Our device stores data locally when not connected to the internet and pushes to the cloud as soon as it is connected again. So during this period, local analytics which run on the device can help alert the user of abnormal measurements. So it performs basic functionalities even in the absence of a network connection. Mm -hmm. And the device is simple. It does not require any special training. Also, it does not have a display and requires minimum attention from the wearer, therefore minimizing its impact on the daily lifestyle of the wearer. I should also mention that we identify our device as a low-cost device. Fascinating. We know that there's a whole market of consumer-driven fitness wellness devices that they say they can track your heart rate, your blood pressure, your activity level, your oxygen level. It can do all these things. What makes the MHAMB different? You know, why a physician and or a patient should trust that this device can be utilized to help their clinical health outcomes? This is a good question. First of all, we recognize MHMB as a clinical device rather than a fitness or wellness device. It is a part of an entire remote health monitoring system, unlike most fitness and wellness devices. It is developed focusing on clinical requirements as its primary function, and we intend to register and get the approval of relevant authorities to identify it as a medical device. And most importantly, MHMB has unlimited measurement capabilities due to the ability to connect add-on devices via the MHMB to a single health monitoring platform, which is not afforded by any other device. I think this is a very important distinction, especially for patients and physicians to know this as well. Were there any technical or data standards, if applicable, would have made aspect of developing this concept faster or easier? Like after going through this process, were there areas would you would say, look, had we had this, this could really open the doors to innovation, and especially in this RPM telehealth space? In your opinion, if there's still these challenges, what may be one of the best ways to address it? Yeah, a standard communication protocol among devices generating medical data would have helped make the process of development more convenient and efficient. Also, a common development platform specifically designed for medical and health monitoring purposes would further open doors to the innovation in telehealth space. An open source development platform would be able to get community contributions to accelerate the process of developing remote health monitoring devices. I've heard before of the open source platform being a really important aspect for, obviously, for tech developers. Provoco, you've given us some really interesting insights. This is a fascinating concept prototype. We definitely are interested to see and to know when you're going to do your pilots and how the outcome comes. But in the meantime, is there any final thoughts you would like to share with our audience, you know, when it comes to developing technologies, specifically if you're going to target underserved patients in developing regions? The key is to have the right partners and parties with the objective of taking these technologies to the underserved patients in the developing regions. This could include the state sector, NGOs, or even commercial organizations. And affordability of the technology or device is another key factor that needs to be considered. 
This needs to be considered together with the scale of deployment. And I believe that healthcare is a fundamental requirement of all people and telehealth is the key contributor to making healthcare accessible for all. Healthcare systems must be reoriented to address NCDs. Today, universal health coverage offers a global vision for healthcare systems. Achieving universal global coverage primarily depends on people-centered primary healthcare. All the more important in the context of rising rates of NCDs affecting high-income and low- and middle-income countries alike. In other words, to be effective, health systems must be rooted in the communities they serve and be able to not just prevent and treat NCDs, but also improve well-being and quality of life. I think that's a very important point that you shared with our audience, and I hope that they embrace it when they're developing their technologies or trying to deploy a device in those regions. Ramuka, special thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. It was a wonderful opportunity for me as well joining this session. For you, all of you out there, as I mentioned, Pramuka is an undergraduate student in Sri Lanka, and obviously he joined us from far away. If you would like to see his actual pitch video from the IEEE essay competition or any of the other winners and finalists, you can visit ieesa.io backslash telehealthconf, T-E-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O-M-P. You'll see actually highlights from the competition and everything about that. So many of the concepts that Pramuka brought up today, we address in various ways throughout the IEEE essay healthcare and life science practice. The mission of the practice is engaging multidisciplinary stakeholders and have them openly collaborate, build consensus, and develop solutions in an open standardized means to support innovation that will enable privacy, security, and equitable, sustainable access to quality care for all. Some of these activities that we have such as incubator programs for WAMI, wearables and medical IoT interoperability intelligence, and transforming the telehealth paradigm are addressing the many things that we discussed today, from accessibility to security, to integration, to interoperability, to scalability, to extensibility. And these groups are volunteers from all over the world trying to build frameworks for potential global standards to address these issues. If you would like to learn more about these projects and many of the other practice activities, you can visit our website at ieesa.io backslash HLS. If you enjoy this podcast, we ask you to share it with your peers, colleagues on your networks. This is the only way we can get these important discussions out into the domain is by you helping us to get the word out. When you're using the podcast and sharing it with your colleagues, please reference hashtag IEEEHLS or tag us on Twitter at IEEESA or on LinkedIn, IEEE Standards Association, when sharing this podcast information. I want to thank you, the audience, for listening in today. I wish you all to continue to stay safe and well. Until next time. On behalf of IEEE Standards Association and IEEE SA Voice, thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit standards.ieee.org. We hope you'll join us again soon.